what's up guys yes i finally did a show after what three four weeks as usual it seems like that's the trajectory i'm on lately is that i'm doing shows uh every three or four weeks now instead of having a weekly guest it's like you gotta wait three or four weeks for me to bring on a guest and you gotta wait for it and it's the anticipation it's just killing you guys it's like who's he gonna bring on this time is this gonna, is it gonna be somebody new well, unfortunately, it's not somebody new, uh, <laughs> but it's okay because you guys liked this guy the last time he was on the show, and I enjoy talking to him all the time. I see him a lot more now because he's in the state of Nebraska, not living a thousand miles away in California where we would talk just basically via messenger. Um, but it's been nice to see him. I see him a lot. Uh, I pick up his recycling, and I bring him his recycle tote every time I do pick up his recycling. And he really appreciates that. I know he does. If he doesn't appreciate it, I know his wife definitely appreciates it. But uh, he's been on the show before. You guys like him. I like him. He's awesome. Mr. Pat Jansen is back with us. How you doing, Pat? Hey, I'm good, man. Uh, my you You are my wife's favorite nebraska resident and our families live here uh the fact that you do all that it's on un- it's unnecessary uh, i could i could get off my ass and do something but it's very kind of you and uh yeah you you're you're making me look bad to be completely honest with you <laughs> i'm sorry maybe i should leave it up. Uh, maybe the next I-, I am definitely scheduled to do it this next tuesday because i have a very short week so i know i'm gonna be in in uh your town picking it up very fairly early so maybe i'll just leave it on the side and be like hey hey pat you got you got this one this is on you buddy brownie points for you (laughs) (laughs) but no it's been Uh, you know what that works that works i mean whatever works for you man (laughs) <laughs> and this is good too because i catch you on a week where you are there's our delay there's our there's, there's our zoom delay yes there it is there's our zoom delay um but uh, i catch you on a week that you uh don't have to uh either be taxed by work or be uh be enthralled in a uh very compelling premier league soccer game so that's that's a bonus for me Oh man, uh, like I, I can, like if if Everton's not playing, I can, you know, I can skip a, a Premier League game or two. Uh, yeah, the the work part's a little trickier. Uh, you know, when you're like when you're working in news and stuff, I I still do, I still do some of the other like it sounds pretentious to call this, but some of like the Hollywood stuff, like I was doing, uh, animation stuff the other night. Uh, like as soon as I was done with work, I was, uh, like on like a, a, a distanced recording session, um, with, with a guy who's done uh Powerpuff girls, it, like he was directing me. Uh, so that, um, I don't know that, that felt like a weird, uh, it wasn't meant as a humble brag. It was just saying, <laughs> like, I enjoy still doing that kind of thing because it's fun. Uh, what sucks is I have to go re-record some of it because, like, the file got corrupted, and I think it was on my end, unfortunately, too. But uh, but I have to give it a couple days because, like, some, like, voice stuff is insane. It's I mean, I wouldn't... The funny thing is, like, to do some of that I wouldn't be able to do that if I were still in LA because I would be in an apartment with neighbors (laughs) and 
like you can't just like yell out as a drill sergeant really loudly and then have and be like and then walk outside and see your neighbors and be like yeah we're everything's normal like i was already plenty worried that the, the entire town of windside would think i was just like berating my wife <laughs> has that been relatively nice to uh to be able to have your own workspace i know you pretty much just have that that's your own little kind of incubator for when you're when you're recording big red Cobcast or you're you're doing these uh these different animation things, voice voice work. Is it is it been nice to have just kind of that space where it's you don't feel like you have to hold back at all? Oh, dude, it's it's like absolutely huge. Like the only way, like yeah, like it would have been real, real, real tough. I mean, I know there are people in LA who have their own recording studios, but like, but to to be able to do that, you've got to basically be a millionaire already, um, because or, or or really insanely lucky. Because the so there are things that you need to be able to record, and a lot of recording stuff even before COVID was recorded from a distance not everything is like there you know there there are plenty of things where you go in and record in a studio but you can you can do it from your home studio and it it, uh, uh, sometimes that a lot of times that's the preference for either commercials or animation and stuff like that but so to do that like you've got to have obviously the 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 space to have your own room a lot of those just end up being closets. I mean, actually, this studio that I use is a giant walk-in closet, but like, um, but it doesn't necessarily need to be that big. But you need you need something that can isolate sound and not have a lot of extra sound. Um, and really, that is essentially having all interior walls and then not having a lot of sound around you. Um, but um so in la you know obviously unless you're a millionaire and that is quite literal like in our neighborhood in burbank like if you wanted to buy something that was a fixer-upper you're still looking at three quarters of a million dollars just to buy the house and they're and they're fairly close to one another too so everyone's in apartments and then like it's a city it's not quiet like you've got thoroughfares going by most places. We had an airport fairly close to us, the Burbank airport. Um, it's just impossible. And then, you know, that's saying nothing of, you know, the equipment that you need to buy, uh, to, to have a quality recording studio, the, the quality of internet that you need, which can sometimes in apartments be, you know, you're limited with the options. I have better internet here than I did, uh, in LA, uh, which is weird. Um, probably cause it's not but, so saturated. Yeah. So it's probably, yeah, probably. well it's, it's fiber here. Uh, like oh, you the, got the telecom you industry, suck. I hate you. I'm, I'm still running off telecom industry largely sucks. Right, yeah. Like, because like it's the one thing that allows for monopolies in areas where like 
you've got spectrum in this area, but like nothing else. Like you may have like a loose, like, yeah, we can offer you like 10 megabytes, uh, of download speed. Um, yeah, that'll, that'll work for you to work from home. Right. Like (laughs) there may be some like second option, but it's not a viable second option. And so you're just stuck with spectrum or who or whoever is in your area and yeah anyway did not mean to go on that rant no 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 that's that's good because it 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 gives me an idea of of kind of the the environment you've been working in that you know differs from you know what you were doing in in california and uh before i get too deep into anything else in particular i do have to say mad props to uh uh auburn your brother obviously uh doing well in football this year taking your team well into the state playoffs and uh having a very very uh good very good auburn basketball squad this year they didn't lose at all did they yeah (laughs) like at all well they've got the (laughs) third longest They've got the third longest winning streak, I believe, in boys' state basketball or in Nebraska state basketball history uh, on the boys' side. I think there are only two because they're at like sixty-two straight or something like that. So they've won three straight championships. Yep. Uh, and they their last loss was kind of late in the year that they won their first championship uh, to BRLD and who just had their own long losing streak or long winning streak snapped this year. Uh, so yeah, they've, they've won three straight, um, championships and, and yeah, I was really happy for my brother to, to have a, a and his team to have a good year this year. And cause they, they made it to the final eight and they played well against Carney Catholic and had some chances, but just, just didn't, just didn't have the horses to pull it off because, uh, you know, I mean, not to get into the politics of it, but like uh, a parochial school in a mm-hmm. larger city always has a better chance because you can pick and choose who comes in. You can keep your numbers what they are. And I don't mean to piss anyone off and went to a Catholic school, but like it, it's true. And then my brother is just like struggling to try and get too like 11 man sides to be able to go up against one another in practice. It's a Mm -hmm. definite challenge for like some of those smaller schools or some of those smaller town schools playing in those mid to lower tier classes against the parochial schools from slightly larger cities. Yeah. Anyway, you know, you, you, I mean, you probably don't know this, but we, uh, we send Cooper to uh, sacred heart, which is the, preemptive beginning to norfolk catholic so so we know exactly all right so i did not know that yeah yeah no so um so selfishly selfishly sam does it for the educational purposes obviously and i i have my reservations and doubts for it obviously being a wayne alum i have much disdain yeah go blue devils yeah i go i have much disdain for the Norfolk Catholic Knights, <laughs> um, always have, always will. So it's it's hard it's hard for me to uh, 
reconcile that in certain ways when I realize that my son is probably eventually going to play for for the Norfolk Catholic Knights. But I will say one thing. Um, if I could pick any coach in the state of Nebraska, it would be uh, it would be Beller. It would be Coach Jeff Beller for sure. The man is absolutely uh, – he he's the best. He really is, and he's a good guy. He's not pompous or arrogant about it. He's he's actually a really really good coach, and so goes goes to show. You know, you you get the right guy in the right system. You take care of him. You let him do his thing, and this is what you get from it. So, all credit to him. I'm taking Tony Jansen. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, Tony. <laughs> that's the thing. Like. Like I, <laughs> I, no, I know it was funny. I, so he lost to Terman at Wahoo Newman. Yeah. Uh, in his, uh, in a playoff game a couple of years ago. And I, I can't remember what the number was. I think it was like 300 or something like that. And, uh, Tony cracked some joke about how, uh, Terman got his 300 to win. He's that he was only like, uh, 280 behind him or something at that point. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, th- there's a lot of good coaches out there, but I mean, just just in ter- I, I guess in terms of uh, you know what I what I saw up close, it's and it's tough. Like you take our district, just Wayne's district in general, it's a little different now because surprisingly, uh, Norfolk Catholic has bumped down to C two, um, so it's um, it fluctuates a little bit, but. Um, you take somebody like uh, Coach Bramer and Pierce and Coach Beller, uh, Norfolk Catholic, who are within, you know, a spitting distance of each other, pretty much, and those are probably two of the best coaches in Northeast Nebraska as far as coaching football. Um, and it really kind of disheartened me that uh, um, the uh, head coach from Wayne decided to step down this year. Uh, he he looked like he was building something special. I don't know. I heard it was family uh, spending t- more time with his family and things like that. Um, so I mean, I wish him the best on that. But I could believe I could believe that. That's I mean, for for what high school coaches in Nebraska make relative to what they do, like, uh, and the thing of it is, like, and. and they want and you to I'm wear so many hats not too. Of like, I, like they yeah, want you well, to be not so, just a coach. And, and, well, there there are so many who then like who sacrifice like their teaching a little bit to do that, and or because just out of necessity. And and the ones who don't, like my brother is a really good teacher. Like, but so like, but then doing that putting all that time into teaching and then all that time into football season as well. Like, uh, there is just no time left. Like his wife has said, like at the end of the season, like, yeah, it, I'm sad that they lost, but I'm glad to get him back because mm-hmm. like, cause he had like, yeah, he's a math teacher. He has to put a lot of time into doing that. Like he's their, their high level math teacher. And, um, then yeah, wants to 
coach a team to a state championship. Like there's just there's there is no there is no way to do that and have any spare time. Like I I never get to talk to him during the football season. Yeah. Like I might I might hear from him on my birthday, uh, and that's about it. And it's like that is just it is what it is. Like you know it's uh, it's crazy what is expected of high school teachers and coaches like time-wise mm-hmm. relative to what they make. And I mean, it's crazy what's expected time-wise anyway, even if they made a lot of money, but then they don't. Mm-hmm. And and the thing is, is like, I don't know what, what uh, your brother does, like as far as when, when things start, when he starts, you know, prepping for the season, but a lot of these perennial powerhouses, I mean, they're as soon as, as soon as kids are out of school, they're they're prepping for seven on sevens. They're prepping for uh, offensive lineman camps, oh, yeah. team camps, out of you know like down in the metro area and things like that. Um, and then these kids, you know, if they're if they're worth their salt or they have uh, aspirations beyond high school playing, you know, their their summers are filled with um, camps and and different different obligations of that sort. So it's. It's crazy. Like, well, and if if any of them are good, if it, if any of them are good at more than one sport too, then they're really pulled in a lot of directions that way as well. Mm-hmm. It's like what we were, you were talking about with the coaching and the teaching and all that. Well, like, I mean, if you've got a kid who is a, a really good quarterback, you know, you want to you want to have him on your team, but also if his future is in baseball, you know, he's going to spend a lot of time playing baseball. Or if he's a kid like cam binder on the basketball team uh who wants to play college basketball and you know as part of that program that does a lot of summer league basketball you just get him where you can get him for for the summer football stuff and yeah it's it's ridiculous yeah yeah that 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 reminds me a lot of uh of jesse jesse hill growing up uh he played quarterback for us we actually had to get him off because off the cross country team because he took like a year or two off his junior sophomore year and did cross country and I th- I think Finky had to uh, coax him back in some way because it's like we need you at quarterback <laughs> but you got to think that kid he uh, Jesse uh, accepted a scholarship to play baseball at UNK but if you know anything about Jesse Hill um, he is a absolute magician on the basketball court. He's fantastic. Probably, I mean, still at 31, 32 years old. You know, we've got our alumni tournament coming up this next weekend over the Easter holidays. And that guy will literally will us to victories. You know, just by the way, just by the way he plays. And he still plays competitively competitively in leagues. Uh, Still, you know, maintains a job, has a wife, four daughters now, I think. So. Um, and he's still, uh, he's still. Anytime he steps on the court, and and, we're, and he has us playing against the younger division. Like when the schedule came out for this year, you know, we had to we had to unfortunately uh, cancel last year because of COVID. But the year prior to that, we played in the younger division and won. Um, but. Um, we're playing again in the younger division. And I just, I really wanted to say to Jesse, it's like, we're 31, 32 years old and we're playing against kids that are pretty much like 
half of our age or or younger don't you think it's time maybe we <laughs> go over to the old league and just dominate that for a few years but it's just it's our it's our grades competitive nature it's Corey's, reggie's sam's jesse's it's all of our competitive nature and at the end of the day we'll sacrifice a few days of pain afterwards to uh to show these young kids that we know how to play basketball still it's been it's been ages since i played in the auburn alumni basketball tournament um what's funny is so you know you mentioned auburn and their success in basketball like we uh, our basketball program <laughs> was terrible forever until mm-hmm. like this run, you know, under, you know, they brought in Jim Weeks, uh, and uh, like, it was not, and my class was not particularly good. (laughs) Like, it's weird. Like, I feel my class is better in the alumni tournament than we were like when we like were in school, but like, yeah, I haven't played in probably about a decade and a half there because like, like when I left Nebraska basically, and then I haven't been back to do it since because I'm just always either, (laughs) I was either over those 15 years, I was either busy or poor. Uh, (laughs) like it just, it, it never, it never made sense to do. I don't know what the Wayne alumni tournament is like, but like, um, the soreness, like when playing in the Auburn alumni tournament, is only like only a fraction of that comes from the basketball. Uh, <laughs> a lot of the feeling rough just comes from sweating beer up and down the floor. And that's that's really what it was. Maybe when we were in our mid twenties to early twenties, but now it's I think it's just perspiration from being old like we'll go out to the we'll go out to the white dog or the max on a saturday night afterwards you know after the tournament's done and over with um and we'll drink you know there was there's a couple people that'll go out that friday night after those initial play-in games and drink and those are the ones that are you know 21 to 25 26 years old and and they can do it but I don't think we can anymore. And a lot of us have kids and it's like, okay, we're going to go home, take care of the kids and <coughs> stuff like that. But it's, yeah, my, my, my dad, the, the alumni tournament in Auburn, it's his least, it was his least favorite thing for a long time. If he, so he is like a fairly accomplished referee. Mm-hmm. And so, he, and like, he loves refing and we'll just take like any opportunity to ref possible. And so, but I mean, he, he's trimmed a lot of that down now that he's in his sixties. Like he's basically now just referees varsity football, well, varsity and sub varsity football. Um, but like, and so that's, that's really all he does anymore. But he used to, uh, when the alumni tournament would roll around, he would ref a lot of those games because my dad is actually from Coleridge. He didn't graduate mm-hmm. from Auburn. Um, and so he would go down and they needed a referee, but preferably one who wasn't going to be on one of the teams. And so he would do it. And, but like a bunch of dudes either still from Auburn or coming back to Auburn, all just hammered and playing basketball and feeling 
no qualms about just yelling at the referees and my dad is you know from the more ordered <laughs> thing like he's used to refereeing high school kids and like not getting yelled getting, at by grown like, men talked back to <laughs> yeah and I, I was amazed that he did it for as many years as he did it because i'm like that does have to suck but then eventually they started getting like dudes from peru state to come over and then i'm like I don't know. That's got to suck for them too. I hope they're getting paid well. Like, <laughs> like that. Just no. Like, I, I don't. I don't feel like a Peru State Bobcat basketball player deserves to just like come over and get berated by a bunch of drunk rednecks. Right. Right. I mean, let's be honest. We're from small towns. I don't mean that in a derogatory sense, but like, yeah, you know, at that point, at that point in the weekend, about eight Budweiser's deep and like running up and down the floor on your, uh, with your cutoff sleeve shirt to replace the Jersey that you lost two years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then yelling at some dude from St. Louis who like is just spending his weekend at Peru state, uh, coming down to Auburn to, to referee a game. I do feel like at that point, yeah, we are kind of the red <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I would definitely tend to agree with that. I, lo- I love, I love my, I love my hometown. I, I, like I say, I didn't mean that in a derogatory sense, but like it, it's, it's, it's a, ru- it's a rough go for whoever has to referee that. Yeah, no, I, I completely understand, and it's, it's crazy for me, especially playing in the younger division, seeing kids who I remember seeing on the sidelines of our games, um, or seeing in the stands playing around with their friends that are that are now uh, playing against us. Um, it's it's absolutely mind-boggling to me. I think this year on Saturday we're playing against uh, Coach Sweetland's son who just graduated last year, I think in 2019 or 2020. And I remember him when he was like a toddler, you know, <clears throat> seeing, seeing Rob pick him up and hang out with him after the games and stuff. He was our our JV freshman coach, and obviously Rocky was still coaching at the time. But um, uh, And now he's he's taken over as the head boys basketball coach. But it's, it's insane to me thinking that I saw this kid, you know, waddling around in, in pull-ups and, and an Oshkosh bagosh, <laughs> you know, overall set, and now he's, you know... Six two, six three, whatever he is, and he's a he's a man now, and I'm just like, what the fuck happens? Can can I just say, like, it's hilarious to me that an adult came up with the brand name Oshkosh Bagash. I love it. I know it's a fun right? thing to say, but like, what what adult like? sat around or was it like a whole like marketing table that's like ted what you got what are we gonna be called uh levi's nope uh oshkosh bagosh got it and i can't i can't i can't ever knock the oshkosh bagosh brand because uh the wife has gotten mia probably like three or four of those cute overall sets and she looks adorable in each and every one of them i tell you what (laughs) <laughs> Isn't like, there an Oshkosh, Nebraska? I 
think so. Anytime I think of Oshkosh, though, there I is. think of Wisconsin, though. Like I, is I, there is there an Oshkosh, Wisconsin? Yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, oh, there is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I knew that. They've got a college there. I think. Yeah, there is an Oshkosh in Nebraska, in Garden County. Yes, there's the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. The UWO. Yeah. The. <laughs> <laughs> the the university of, <laughs> the university of wisconsin system seems rather large there uh there was like wisconsin whitewater that won division three championships a bunch and like then their coach over the place yeah yeah and then their coach went to coach at university of buffalo but did you know that he uh has ties to the nebraska. state of nebraska yeah yeah because uh because with all the, uh, all the, uh, and I don't say all of the, it's it's a small faction of stupidity. But the the stupid people that are like, Scott Frost needs to go. There's there's that group. There's that faction that's out there for some apparent reason. I don't know why, but uh, there's like, oh, Scott's on the hot seat. Who should we be considering for to be our next coach? And I know his names come up a little bit. And I'm just like, just stop. Just please stop. We've done this for how many years since we, you know, pulled. Well, also, I, I love how every Husker fan is like, feels like we ha- the only people that we can pitch are like people with Nebraska ties. I don't know if it's because we've got like a little brother syndrome where we're like, well, it's got to be someone who would be willing to accept the job. And really, who would accept the job? if they weren't from Nebraska, like, I feel like that's the implication with that sort of line of thinking, but it's like, I don't know. We just gave, we were given a guy like $5 million a year. That seems like pretty good incentive. And Lincoln's a cool city. Uh, and there's like resources and the program has sucked for a long time. So you could be, so you could look like the savior and like the one guy to figure it out. Like, uh, I don't know. There are plenty of reasons uh, that a person would want to coach at Nebraska, and that's not that's not to say like get rid of Scott Frost and hire someone else. That's just saying like there will always be options. It doesn't have to be someone with Nebraska ties. That once once they're here, they've got Nebraska ties. Like Mike Riley will forever have Nebraska ties, whether mm-hmm. we like it or not. Bill Callahan will have forever have Nebraska ties, whether we like it or not, or whether he likes it or not. I've tried to get him on the Big Red Copcast a bunch of times, and I think he's just ready to have that period of time over. And honestly, I can't blame the dude. Yeah, yeah, I get it. But uh, I know that uh, for me, it's it's one of those things that like we've we've done the hire and fire thing for so long, and we've never just you know, burn the motherfucker down and then built it back up. It's never, it's, it's always been like, okay, part of it's burned down. We'll remodel and we'll see what we can get out of it. You know, I, I know you have your own personal feelings towards Bo yeah. and that's, that's, that's fine. And, but there, for some reason, there's just this faction of people that are okay with the nine, 10 wins, 8, 9, 10 wins, and, and they're going to be okay with that, and they would love that back. But if you think about it, it's like those 3 to 5, whatever, 2 to 3 to 5 losses that we would take 
would be so demoralizing and so painful to deal yeah. with like just on a and they were always on a national level they always had national implications and we just would wet the bed like horribly and then you would see nationally this figurehead that was our head coach have public meltdowns on national television weekly you know and that yeah i that to me was I'm never fine. Never a good thing. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Go uh, ahead. I, I'm fine with, like, so if you're hanging out at nine, ten wins every year, and like, if it feels like there's a possibility of, of a breakthrough, like, I would rather nine, ten, nine, ten, nine, ten, nine, ten, nine, ten, nine, ten, nine, ten you know, alternating that all the time and just hovering there. I'd rather that than, like, Five, 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 five. Uh, uh, clearly, that's better. But like, uh, ideally, you want to see some progress. And and even though the win numbers stayed the same, it didn't feel like it was progress. Not only did it not feel like that it wasn't progress, it felt like it was the team was actually moving backwards mm-hmm. because like the team that nearly beat Texas in the Big 12 championship game, that team felt like it could have beaten anybody that year. And some of the losses were very close. Like, we actually should have beaten Virginia Tech in Blacksburg. Yep, we uh, should have won that game. Like, yeah, and so, like, um, you know, when you when you look back at that team... Uh, like you felt like that that team is on the cusp, but then when you looked at the teams that followed, they got further away from that and closer to like real mediocrity. Even though the win numbers were the same, uh, so that I mean, I, I think a lot of people think that like I didn't believe in. Bo because like he was an asshole like yeah he sure seemed like he was an asshole and uh, he's done nothing to change my mind on that ever since leaving Nebraska there's been no there's been no like learning or maturity it seems developed from him and well can I ask and, you and something I think that says why the team didn't advance too what's that you remember in uh, well, what what year was Solich fired? I forgot. Do you remember? Uh, was so Callahan's first year was oh four. So it was it was it well was yeah. So Solich's last year was Solich's last year was up three. Yeah, I remember, and this is weird because I was like a twelve year old, thirteen year old kid. Um, press conference <laughs> came out. Um. Because most of the staff had still was retained for that bowl game because Bo coached that bowl game. But afterwards, Bill came in uh, after the hire. I remember, I think it was KETV. I could be wrong, but it was one of the Metro affiliates caught Bo heading out of Memorial Stadium with his stuff, and they wanted to interview him and ask him, you know, was he considered for the job? Because there was a lot of people at the time that were saying Bo 
should be that guy, even at that time. You remember? Mm-hmm. And uh, just his his response to the media member, the his his overall demeanor and the way he was putting his like he seemed like a petulant child, like he was very yeah. very like butthurt about it almost in a certain way and i remember this even as like a 12 year old 13 year old kid and i was like you know why would we consider this person uh a figurehead of of our school of our team because basically the the you know you can there is some argument because of what john cook's done uh with the volleyball team as far as who's the figurehead coach of nebraska athletics but it's very hard at this point in time to not say that that person isn't scott frost for as great as john cook is and as amazing of a coach as he is like you know well the fate the face of nebraska will always be the football coach for better or for worse like scott frost right now is the face of the football program and right now uh, that face has been, it's taken a few black eyes and a, it has a bloodied nose, um, but he's still the face. Like, just be, by the nature of football and that it is the big money program, not just for Nebraska, but for the NCAA, like, uh, unless you are Duke, like, you, your football program is going to be the the face of it all. Now, like that's not any discredit to David Cutcliffe. He's done pretty well at a mm-hmm. not like premier football program. But I mean, Duke is still at its best a mediocre college football team, and then they have obviously one of the most legendary basketball programs. So I mean, but it's a really extreme situation there that changes that like even UCLA that won like 10 national championships in a row with Mm. John Wooden uh, or whatever the number was an insane amount of them. um, They like, if you were like, if you were to ask people now, who is the basketball coach at UCLA and who is the football coach at UCLA? I think more people would name Chip Kelly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that's a little. That's I, I kind of when you make the Duke reference, I think the same thing about uh, about Kentucky. Because um, for yeah. for for better or for worse, you know, um, the coach of the. Kentucky men's basketball team is always going to be of more importance than than the head football coach. That I mean, and that's not just not that's not just singling out John Calipari. That's signal uh, singling out uh, Tubby Smith, Adolph Rupp, you know, and all of his national championships. You know, Paul Bear Bryant left Kentucky for the simple fact that. A, he got offered the Alabama job, but B, even after winning the Southwest, uh, Southeastern Conference for Kentucky, still left Kentucky because he would never be the focal point of Kentucky's athletic program. It, al- it would always be Adolph Rupp until he retired. 
And even after that, it would be probably his yeah. successor. So, you know, I can I can see that and and understand that. And the, and the great thing about I think at, at Nebraska athletics, if if you're paying attention, is that we have the coaches in place in a lot of these sports in a lot of these areas that I think is going to. You know, it's not just gonna be. It's it's always gonna be Scott Frost or the whoever the head football coach is. But you have somebody like John Cook. Um, I've watched the last several games of uh, the uh, baseball era. They you know it's second season under Will Bolt, but it's not to me. You know, it's technically still first season because they only played yeah a baker's dozen games before they called it basically last year. And they are freaking amazing, man. They they completely murdered Minnesota uh, in the second doubleheader game today. It was like seventeen to one. Just uh, I think it ended up like seventeen five, something like that. Oh, was it? Did they end up scoring like in the sixth or seventh? I I was getting ready. So, but they they're hitting the ball well. Povich had a good outing on Friday. Watch that game. You know, they've got some pitching, they've got some arms, and those freshmen that they've got in the lineup, the the Anderson kid, um, God, I can't think of his name, the one that plays third base sometimes. Well, that's Anderson, but there's another one. But anyways, they've got a lot of young talent. They're a good squad. Hoiberg, I think, is is getting close. You know, had somebody like... Uh, uh, Kobe Webster come back, and I'm kind of keeping my fingers crossed for, uh, for Thor. I don't know. I don't know if he's ready to test the international waters, but uh, I think that squad could. I mean, make hell, some noise it, next year. If if I were Thor, and I don't mean to venture into the sociopolitical realm, uh-huh. but if I were Thor and I had my degree and I could make a little bit of money in Iceland, I mean, I'm sure it's not it's not crazy money, but it's an, it would be enough to live on. And then you know, I live in uh, a country that values its people uh <laughs> has a good health care system yeah, 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 um yeah. is safe in a number of ways uh and takes care of its land uh it's like a beautiful place mm-hmm. uh with all that like i don't know like th- there there isn't there isn't an nba future waiting for him mm-hmm. like he will have his degree I'd say, like, yeah, there are way worse things than going and chilling in Reykjavik for a little while. And, and like, maybe then another country that has, like, a higher-tier basketball league uh, comes calling at some point. But, like, yeah, I'd say just just chill in Iceland. And I love I, – I would love to have Thor back in Nebraska. Thor's great. Uh, he's one of my favorites, but like, if I were him, nah, man. I mean, I, I, you don't. It See, might I, be a little bit like that. He doesn't want to be so, so like he, he might. It might just be that he doesn't want to like leave 
before the getting really gets good. Like, cause like there, there have been times and like, so the big red cop cast has been going for over 70 years mm-hmm. and, uh, like we don't have any plans to quit, but you know, we've, but there've been times, especially when we've been busy where we're like, do we want to just wrap this up? Like, cause especially cause the seasons in recent memory just haven't been fun. Like it sucks to actually have a Husker podcast with like a, a pretty big social media presence when the Huskers are terrible. Um, like we don't want that. So like, but Tweety has constantly said, like, I don't want to miss out on the moment this thing turns around and becomes great again. Like, I don't want us to have been left and then, like, right after we do, suddenly, like, we're winning natties. And, uh, like, that would be, that would probably be a little frustrating. And I wonder if there's a little bit of that sort of mentality with Thor, too, if he's like, oh, do I leave now? Or, like, will we be in March Madness next year? Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, you have to anticipate that with Fred Hoiberg at some point. Yeah, and I, and, and I think, I, I think a lot, I think that can be, you could almost make that, ar- you could have almost made that argument for Kobe Webster too, because I don't, you know, his size, um, his style of play would be fantastically suited for or the overseas game. Like, and it will be mm-hmm. as soon as he finishes up. Um, is there an NBA future? Maybe a, maybe a D League uh, position. I just don't. I don't think he's. I don't think he's tall enough. Yeah. For that. But, but like, he definitely. He definitely the, proved that he could make the jump from a lower tier Division One of Western Illinois and play in the Big Ten. He definitely proved that. I think he's more of a point guard than Delano Banton. Like I love the idea of a six foot nine point guard, but Kobe Webster actually has more handles than he does. And mm-hmm. I think, uh, I think it's real important to have him back on the roster. I think that's one of the biggest things that we got this off season. Well, and I think had we not had Trey McGowan's not gotten that waiver, he would have been in the starting five. Kobe would have. Yeah. And I think he, yeah, totally. and I think he would have eventually, they would have eventually maybe moved Delano to the bench, Thor, maybe playing that guard spot, and then Kobe playing. But see, the thing is, you, you saw a lot of uh, Thor uh, uh, off the dribble too, uh, taking the ball up and and being the one to facilitate. And towards the end, it was kind well, of it was Thor kind was of it was kind of a toss up between Thor and Trey. What was the toss up between those two? It was between Thor and Trey, who would who would kind of be facilitating the offense at the time. And oh and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and Trey, well, Thor, Thor was the best passer on the team. Oh yeah, for sure. But uh, getting back to, I know you had mentioned uh, a country that takes care of its people. And the Icelandic people and such. Um, I just this Friday uh, completed my second dose of COVID vex. Got that done. Got the Pfizer vaccine. So. Um, oh, Pfizer, eh? Yeah. Team Moderna over here. Oh yeah, I was a little. I was a little kind of because the wife. The wife did the Moderna study, so I was kind of slowly pushing for that, but. Uh, 
I ended up getting the Pfizer one. She set it up for me. It was really kind of quick. And I even got it before they cleared the one, the Tier 1B people. They they were quietly starting to get some of the Tier 1B people. And that's how I got in. But they're really now starting to ramp it up now that um, they've kind of... They opened that up to the public and said, you know, Tier 1B is good to go. Uh, so I finally got mine on Friday. Um, and then, yeah, when I go to Wayne next week on Friday, I'll be at full vaccine efficacy. And then at that point, I'll be good to go. But it's it's going to be weird for me, I think, um, dealing with uh, what I've dealt with the past year as far as uh, the social distance thing, and I'm still gonna, you know, I'm still gonna be a good uh, citizen and 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 mask up when need be, and 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 be a good example for the people that aren't vaccinated yet, because you know that's it's important to me to not be the asshole. But uh, there's other stuff that's starting to open up too. Um, I do. Uh, our friend uh, Dylan Oaks Rody. Uh, of Backline uh, fame, who's been on the show and the co-owner of the Backline uh, has had Brooke Barcel hosting a comedy open mic since the pandemic Bennett, uh, pandemic started. It actually was a week or a year ago, three or four days ago, that they f- did their first mic. Um, they did it on a Tuesday, and so it's been a year. I've been going since October, end of October, around Halloween time, and it pretty much has go- have gone every week since then. Um, it's been different for me. Like, um, I I just I kind of stumbled upon it, and uh, I've gotten a lot of feedback from people, you know, comics who have done regular mics and stuff, and I've just only done open mics, so uh, uh, Zoom mics, so. I'm kind of curious to see what it's going to be like when I uh, can actually get on stage. But Backline is going to be opening up for... They're going to be closing down the open mic on Tuesday nights and going back to live shows, I think, in May. So I'm starting to figure out what I'm going to do because uh, I'm not going to have my, my mic anymore to go to. <laughs> <laughs> Unless yeah. I want to travel down to Omaha. Uh, yeah, it's, it's getting, it, it, it's getting weird and tricky. Like, this is almost like the most awkward time for comedy because people are starting to wind those down, but yet it's not like regular comedy time is like really a complete option yet either. Like, even if you're in the city of the, of where the mics are, like I did see, so a friend of mine uh, from L.A. who actually has done uh, like shows for Dylan, uh, like he he's he did a, a crazy amount of Zoom shows during mm-hmm. the pandemic. But like he, I saw him say today that he was winding down doing Zoom shows and focusing on outdoor shows now. Right. Uh, which I'm like, okay, I get it. Um, but also like I don't know, it, like. It's real hard, to, like even taking comedy out of it, just like transitioning back into like that old setting, like like with my job, 
like they want me to start coming in and I'm like I don't know man it's working pretty well from here like I'd like to just keep it this way I just there's there's a but like taking driving into Norfolk out of it just like there's a, there's an there's an anxiety with it and it, it's like I don't know like maybe we like take people's um, mental health conditions under consideration especially you know like uh, that now as things open up like we we've seen like this reversion back into mass shootings in yep. the country like maybe maybe we maybe we offer a little bit of like understanding and care toward like that this is not been a normal year plus and that like to just like go hard like a hard handbrake back into like what it used to be and you know a lot of people in this state have already started that transition back to normal like a while ago and i realized you know i came out here from la which like like the mentality of it there is a lot different than than here um but like uh yeah i just think like maybe like we analyze like what is necessary to go back to normal and like then just work with people uh as they maybe decide how comfortable and uncomfortable they are with that because it, it's like it's all pretty it's a, it's a fairly stark contrast like it, it, i know it threw people off to go so hard from living normal life to lockdown why would we not consider that it would be very shocking to go like just as hard a contrast from lockdown back to, to living normal life? I don't know. I'm rambling now. No, 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 no. Cause it's, I, I, I feel a lot of the same things too. Um, for me, that's why, uh, I'm also doing, I, I got finally got, I, I had a little bit of a lull, and I wasn't able to continue on with my class, but I'm I'm back taking improv level C courses online through Second City, and those shows are gonna start going live again, uh, in limited capacity, in May. Again, they're 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 roughly shooting for a May timeline where they're gonna have uh, their sketch groups in limited capacities performing again live, um, in the in the city of Chicago. But uh, one of the questions I brought up to my instructor, which I was thankful and lucky enough to get Bree Fitzpatrick back again as my level C instructor when I was setting stuff up. But uh, I asked her, I said, uh, you know, are they going to continue to offer these uh, courses? I mean, as much as I would love to take improv classes in person, you know, that's really not a possibility for me where I'm at because my hope... My plan is to get through their program, see if the conservatory is available online. If it's not, continue doing as much improv workshops and training as I can. And I want to try and bring that here to Norfolk and do kind of what Dylan's doing in Omaha, but do it here and see if it can work. That's kind of my yeah. Plan. No, I, I, 
I agree. I th- I, I I think whether yeah, I I think wherever a person is and in investing in the business structure and then also just like the artistic structure, whether or not there's a whether or not there's a commercial component to it, um, I, I think that's important. Like I, I've thought of ways to to kind of do things like that here in Windside. Um, cause I, you know, I mean, we both, we both grew up in small towns. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I just remember that always being like the, the, the dream of mine. Like when people think of like getting rich and famous, my, my idea was always just like to, to invest back in that sort of like creativity in a, in a small town to be able to see it grow and become a place of creativity and art and things that people can enjoy. That's uh, cause you know, like I say, we, we both grew up in a small town and I think that, you know, we both enjoyed movies and comedy and, and good food. And, but like, you know, just because that stuff wasn't in our small towns, like to a high degree, like you would see in a city doesn't mean that it like we didn't want that or we didn't, or that we wouldn't have enjoyed having that in town. So I think like if small, like if small towns can have more of those types of, of cool things, like, I don't know, then maybe they wouldn't die as much (laughs) and uh the small towns but like but it takes people to be able it takes people willing to take that risk and offer that up uh knowing that it's a risk and knowing that you know you don't have that huge population base on which to draw but like that you are you're, you're jumping in not based on the population that's there now but like under the idea that you will draw people there either as visitors to the city or as potentially people moving in. Um, I'm getting very idealistic here late at night. I don't stay up late very often and I realize (laughs) it's only nine 30, but that's late. for. Uh, Well, I mean the, the real reason, I mean the, the, the big thing, and I think we've talked about this before of why I think it's something to consider, especially in Norfolk, for example, is because Norfolk devotes an entire weekend, almost an entire week of, mm. of its time, um, honoring comedy with the comedy festival. They bring in, they bring in talent. Um, not gonna this year. Not gonna this year. It's two years out, but it's gonna come back because it was a popular event. Yeah. Um, but. You know, yeah. Well, I know like even like when I was doing stand up in New York, there there were people excited to come to that festival. Like it has the Johnny Carson on it. Like everyone was super well, it was Eddie Brill was the booker for it for mm-hmm. a long time. Like he booked the comedians on Letterman. Like right. um yeah, it was a it's a big deal. Right. And I think that having something similar to what Dylan does here on a smaller scale even you know having having the ability to to uh build improv teams but also have the ability to nurture um a stand-up community um from that and then see 
sketch team. Don't forget sketch. Don't forget sketch. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Let sketch. <laughs> let sketch be built off that, um, and just start bringing in people who want to do it. Um, you know, create a channel. Maybe start doing sketch comedy and putting it out that way uh, on on social media and YouTube and stuff like that. But also having live shows that uh, people can can enjoy and see and just be an extra flavor to you know you've got these these uh, national comics coming in you know every June or whatever it is um, blend them in with these you know who rural kids or rural people or whoever ends up you know doing this and and make it a make it a thing you know they can learn from us we can learn from them and the the amazing thing i will say the zoom mics have been a great tool for networking as far as Oh yeah. As far as the people that are coming to these mics, I've met people from Atlanta, I've met people from Chicago, uh, San Diego, New York that are working comedians um, that you know either have access or are setting up sh- starting to book shows for live stuff and they're like, "Hey, you know, we like your stuff. Let's see what you can do." on a on a stage you know i know brooke i'm sure brooke is gonna want me to come down to omaha and do comedy and i know she said that they were planning on doing the comedy festival like the omaha festival i think was still a go i can't remember what month it's later in the summer like maybe august or something but i mean I'm enjoying it. It's 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 going to be tough for me because I have yet to set set foot on a stage. Um, but I have not done the same material. I do three minute sets every Tuesday, and I have not done the same material twice yet. I come up with new material every week, so I need to start going through the backlog of the videos and be like, okay, this was good. I didn't get a laugh here. What can I work on here and start maybe piecing together a bigger set or a better set or stuff like that? Well, and a lot of it too is figuring out like, so especially early on, uh, you, you create a lot of material. Um, I know this was the, the, the case for me that like eventually you're like, well, that's funny. And so is that but neither of those two things will ever fit in the same set they're two very different styles you have to figure out like at a certain point like what it what is your style and what like it ultimately you're like well it's this lane i want to go down this is great but this is a different comedian right i've noticed a lot of my stuff is is very story based like it's very there there's usually a lead up to it <clears throat> it's like a a beginning there's there's always just a beginning middle and end and sometimes the punch is good sometimes the punch is bad um 
I did. I did I, have. I did have a my first Zoom bomb, uh, like three <laughs> or four weeks ago, where it was just crickets the whole time. But I was completely underprepared. Like, welcome I, to the club, man. Oh, I loved. Welcome. Like, to- I loved it though. Like, I hated it, and I simultaneously loved it because I think when I said something to like the people that I was doing the mic with and i'm just like uh, i bombed hard and they're just like it's gonna happen and you gotta embrace it and you gotta get used to it because it was better for me to fail in a room full of peers than it was in a room of drunk people because the peers are usually gonna give you the constructive criticism you need to get back on the horse to get back up there the next week and do it again Oh, yeah, but also, too, like, everything, whether it's silence, whether it's a drunk yep, person yep, yelling yep, at you, yep. uh, whether it's what I mean, it all, it, it's all, it all has to compute a, as something, and it will, and I, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you do a lot of stories, because I feel like, especially with open mics, because if people get limited amounts of time, it's hard for like good storytelling comedians to develop so really what you see are a lot of like quick fire uh joke artists like like two line jokes which you know there's value in those too Mm -hmm. but i I think you know like long term like storytelling stuff is great but i mean the, the thing there is you still have to you still have to find like the tags and jokes within the long story to keep like the laughter going throughout like the three minutes so it's not just the build up and then the one punchline and i'm not saying that's what you did but i but, uh right. that's one thing to always uh keep an eye on because you can and that's the thing like there are jokes and it's why you want to kind of like go back and revisit them often because the sometimes the more you tell them you're like oh there's a dead space there, but it's like really easy to fill with just like this kind of funny observation of my own joke that I just had, mm-hmm. like that you don't think about until you like you're performing it again for like the second or third time. You're like, okay, yeah, I know how to beef that one up now. It, uh, man, I'm I miss doing that. Like uh, like those first few years of my standup, like it, it was a lot of that. Like where you like really thinking hard about it like you you're just so so into it and that's that's a fun time man i i have enjoyed every minute of it and i and i've told this to brooke before and I, i've told this to the people that i uh, the like the core group of people that i really because i go on super super late i like i request to go on late just for the simple fact of the kid i don't know you know kind of what she's what kind of mood yeah. she's going to be in. So I'm usually like one of the last 10 comics to go on. So there's always like this hardcore group of 10 or 15 of us. That's usually on late that that'll close out a show. And, you know, Brooke has been putting me in like the top five, the like top five last spots. Usually, um, I've closed out the show a couple times, sometimes by necessity, sometimes by the fact that's just how she set up the order. But I 
I don't know if that's, you know, I've never asked her, like, deliberately. It's like, if I said I wanted to go on earlier to for shits and get, like, middle, like, if I said I don't really care where I go on, like, where would you, where would you place me? Like, I don't know if I want to know that at this point, or if I'm happy in that 10 to 15 group where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm closing out a show. If, if my material, I guess, is good enough to close out a show. I don't know. Well, I, I mean, open mics are weird because, you know, like just because like they're, 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 they're a different animal than a regular show. And the fact that you, uh, are willing to take one of the end spots is a huge relief to the people running that show. I guarantee you, because that's not a position that anyone wants in an open mic because a lot of people will perform and they'll be like, uh, I'm going to quietly sneak out of here. Right. Um, and that's how and, it is kind of with zoom shows too. Yeah. Like and so like, yeah. So you've done them a huge favor. Uh, cause no, it's such an undesirable spot. The, in like booked shows, the undesirable spot, like, like booked ones in New York that are like 10 people all doing roughly the same amount of time. Mm -hmm. The undesirable is either the second to last or last spot. Like what if they have someone out famous, then it's the next to last spot. If they're just kind of going, you know, equal, then it's, then it's the last one. Cause that's, that's the check spot. That's mm -hmm. when people are, that's that's when the waitress walking around giving everyone their their checks for their at least two drinks that are ridiculously overcharged mm -hmm. and then people are doing the math trying to figure out how much they're paying and how much they need to tip uh so yeah it's usually the second to last spot. like that's the desirable spot but like right. um yeah i'd say uh i lost the train of thought there um <laughs> I don't fucking know anymore. Uh, <laughs> you're just so I, tired. I, I, oh, yeah. I got you up the, so late. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. The thing that I was thinking of is that's 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 the great time. That's like when you really get to, like like you were talking about, like that you've got that group of 10 or 15 there at that point where like you're all slogging it out there together and then you become peers. I feel terrible for you that that time for you right now is like where you don't get to then like stay at the bar or club afterward and then continue bullshitting with those same people for an hour or two afterward um, in the same way. Like some of my best comedy friends came from those times like when I was doing like the very first open mic I ever did and it, it was a weekly one that, that I did like when I was living in Pennsylvania it, it was at this place called the Bethlehem Brew Works in Bethlehem Pennsylvania um, like I made a lot of good friends there was a just a great open mic there that would get people like from Philly and New York and from Scranton and then obviously the Lehigh Valley where Bethlehem is and just people from all like there'd be 
a ridiculous amount of people on Sunday nights showing up to do that. And then there'd be people who like weren't comedians who would watch as well. And, but it could, it could go either really well or it could go really poorly. And, but it just was your week there. Uh, and, but like, and then you just chill there and drink like that restaurant's beers that they made afterward with people who you're like, like you really started to like their stuff and they, you know, they respected yours. And then, but you also were like, ah, man, that was not a fun room tonight. Or, oh man, it was hot. Uh, that kind of thing. Like that, that's a, that's a lot of fun or, or, or like being in New York and like fighting for stage time. And then like, but then getting to, to do it and, and, you know, you do three shows in one night and then you, like hang out with a couple of people who did all the same shows with you and be like, yeah, show one was great for me, but show two sucked. And they'd, they'd feel the exact opposite, uh, for themselves. Uh, yeah, just, I, I, I feel for you that you don't have that same, like, like possibility right now, but it feels like you're still kind of embracing it and getting it in its, in its own COVID way. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, kind of what I was saying a little bit before is that the reason I'm kind of doing these things, you know, taking the improv classes and doing the improv open mics and stuff uh, and the the doing, (coughs) sorry, and doing the uh, stand up open mics and just trying to saturate myself in it as much as possible, you know, within the confines of the limited space that I have and the, the time that I have is, is because I want, and you know, it might end up starting out at a, at a different venue, but I really, really truly and honestly believe that at some point, you know, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know who I'm going to do it with, but I'm going to have a place like that. And I'm going to be able to have that experience where, you know, yeah, I might be running it, running it, but I will also be working alongside people that are going to be my peers uh, when I go up on stage or that I'm working with in in an improv team or a sketch team. I'm going to find a way to bring that here. And I don't know how I'm going to do it yet. I have a wife who, thank God, is very good at business and uh, helps map out a business model and a business plan for my movie. Uh, so she's going to probably help me with the the uh, business aspect of it and presenting it to people. But, you know, I really, especially with what uh, Mayor Moaning is trying to do, um, bringing people, bringing, keeping the young people in Norfolk and making the downtown area a hip uh, youthful place I think having something like that would be would pique the interest of the chamber and pique the interest of the downtown business association um, enough to consider what I have to say I think that's a great idea man and I, uh, speaking of great ideas or rather ideas of necessity, um, we 
probably better wrap up in the next 10 minutes or else I'm going to shit myself. <laughs> okay. That's fine. Um, but I, 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 I don't, I didn't mean to, I, no, I, mean, no, no. I don't, I don't mean to offer up too much detail on where <laughs> things, but I, I just bought this chair and I don't want to stain it. <laughs> okay. No, I got gotcha. you. But, uh, I, I, since, since we're kind of getting to that area uh, of, of, you know, people getting vaccines and stuff like that, you know, have you, uh, have you and the wife talked at all, you know, what the future might hold for you as far as, you know, maybe heading back to California or anything like that? Probably here, to be completely honest with you, because, like, I can still, uh, I can still, like, we can own a home here, and, like, I can fly to L.A., like, almost weekly for meetings or things like that if if things are going that well. Uh, I right. mean, and it would still cost less than renting a two-bedroom apartment in uh, in California. So uh, that's that's where the conversation's trending right now. Okay. Well, I mean, that's the only reason I bring that up is because you know, uh, Ryan. Am I going to be your sketch director? Am I going to be your sketch director in your theater, Pat? I w- I don't know if you're picking up on the subtle hints from this, but if you're going to stay in Nebraska, I want to work with you on this. You know I do. Yes, I'm for it. I'm for it. That's a triumphant fist. That's two fists in the air. There we go. <laughs> I, so I don't pick up on subtlety. <laughs> I needed to hear no. it. I needed to hear it explicitly, and I got it. Be- because Thanks, Ty. I, I need. I. I. It's great because I have somebody like you who is a great sounding board and a great resource, and who's done this for a while. I mean, and you've. You know, you you did top story. Uh, at IO West, you've, uh, you know, you did stuff with UCB, right? Too. Yeah. Yeah. You you worked yep. with Upright Citizens Brigade. You, you, you. I mean, you you've lived the life for quite some time, and I'm kind of the novice who's taking taking the improv classes uh, from Second City and and doing pretty well, I guess. Uh, my level C show is actually going to be. This is the show in which um, we'll be broadcast via Zoom, so we'll actually have our group will have uh, an an improv show <clears throat> based on the stuff we've learned up to this point, and I'll maybe get you the info on that so you can watch that. But um, yeah, no, I'm 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 I've been reading. A lot. I have, I have nice. I have UCB's novel, novel uh, manual. I have <laughs> Sharna's books that I would. I, lo- I would. I would love for a comedy theater to have written a novel. Yeah, that would be great, right? But no, <laughs> I, I mean I'm, I'm reading a lot and doing a lot on my own and doing these shows and like I said, I've got these people that I'm meeting with doing the open mics and um i'll have a base to work with especially omaha comics and comics up in sioux falls that i know i've kind of 
brought up to him, you know, I might be considering doing this and, you know, if we if we started something, you know, would they be willing at least to kind of help get it off the ground um, with their material? And, and and they said yes. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, we definitely we'll definitely talk about this more off off the air at some point i know you want to get off but i'll i'll do my sign offs here um <laughs> it's kind of an abrupt ending to it but for those of you that don't know we're gonna make this happen we're gonna talk we're we're gonna get this going and and you're gonna hear more about it in the future but uh you can check out pat uh check out pat ryan and joe on uh big red big red cobcast uh at big red cobcast on twitter uh Big Red uh, Facebook dot com slash Cobcast right on Facebook. Yeah, even Tweety doesn't get that right. <laughs> um, he's not really on Twitter much uh, himself, are you? Well, yeah, you are. I I guess. I, I, I am, but uh, once I once I got like kind of a more normally job i i protect that a little bit more <laughs> you hear a little more protected with that. Uh, by the way i just have to mention yeah. this one thing for the last i i invited you and, and your wife to uh see some live theater and unfortunately you guys couldn't go but um i had a very uh very manly mustache and i look at uh joe's pictures and i was like oh my god i look like joe canale if joe canale ate himself <laughs> like Joe's mustache that he has in his picture. Yeah, I look like you could tell Joe that, or maybe he'll listen to this. I don't know. But, uh, and I do appreciate the shout outs that you've done uh, for me on the show. I know I would love to have Ryan and Joe on at some point, either together or uh, on their own, but, you know, I haven't really talked to him much. Uh, I think I've talked to Ryan a couple times, but that's about it. Anyways, um, that's that's that for pat right just the big red check out big red Cobcast, and that's on pretty much every platform and you guys yeah. post that pretty much every monday like that's my monday morning thing is listening to the big red Cobcast. yeah it's just gonna be joe and me this weekend so that means i've got to edit it this weekend uh, uh which bums me because that's that's less free time um <laughs> but Oh well, but you know that pain. You you do a podcast yourself uh, and have no co-host, so you obviously have to do all the editing. Yeah, and I just I send it over to uh, Jerry, who I used to do a co-host a show with, and he makes it sound all nice and pretty, and I send it out into the world. So that's as long as I nice, guess I don't nice. have to do that. I, I let the audio engineer do all the the work. Oh, so you you. You you outfancied me. Yeah, I have my own audio engineer. Um, but uh, you can check uh, check out the uh, email and send me an email isibfnt at gmail dot com. Uh, check out uh, us on Twitter. I don't really Twitter much on the Taj of H, but you can check out the at Taj of H and see Jerry and all of his posts on that because he usually handles that uh check out uh t-a-j-o-f-h at gmail.com if you want to see any of our uh send us any 
spam on that one. Don't send it to the ISIBFNT account because I don't like spam in that one. Um, check out our Thank You for Renting trailer. Uh, we are hoping to get that movie out to the public here pretty soon. Now that theaters are kind of opening up, we have a plan to release it and have people see it. I want to see it myself because I have yet to watch it in its entirety. But check check that out, the Thank You for Renting official trailer. Um, show plugs, webuyblack.com. Uh, shop thousands of black entrepreneur-owned items. You can find soap, you can find water, you can find just about anything on webuyblack.com. And all of it goes to support uh, black entrepreneurs. So check out webuyblack.com, missingkids.org, uh, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, your funds and donations go to help uh, and child sex trafficking and child exploitation in our country. Please donate what you can to the missingkids.org website, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Uh, and I think that's it. So, man, it's a lot to remember. You're a goddamn professional. <laughs> semi-professional but uh that has been you don't you don't have you don't have you you don't have your copy written down that's all from head that's all from up here jesus christ man <laughs> i uh and i haven't nah, done, i haven't done a show no. in three weeks either dude <laughs> so that's all from memory well so you uh you put every other podcaster to shame just now congratulations <sighs> Thank you. Well, that has been the show. We'll have Pat on again, I'm sure. Maybe the next time we talk, we'll have a whole mad scheme formula plan, uh, plan hatched for Hell how yeah. we're going to make this work. So uh, if I wasn't funny this time, I swear I'll be funny next time, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye.